podcast series that focuses on big data, analytics, and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? Good. Getting ready for the holidays, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, we're getting pretty close to the end of the year as well, and a lot of people are planning for the next year. It's amazing how 2017 was breached past. Oh, yeah. I think for me, the trick is how can you – and every year, uh, I I try to get more efficient and and as nerdy as I self-proclaim to be, I try to knock out – to see if I can knock out all of my – holiday birth or birthday and, and gift giving and all that stuff all online through one source. And I've kind of been able to do it, but it's, it's difficult to do. So I try to see if I can get everything through Amazon and then that's it. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to ask you like gifting to others or gifting to yourself. I know you're an early adopter, so. No, come on. You, you got to gift to yourself and then you can gift to others. Exactly. You got to be, <laughs> you got to love yourself awesome. first. Well, Reversing the Christmas. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of that, we do have a gift for our listeners today. We do have another fantastic guest. Um, so there's this company called Outshine. And, you know, Outshine is a company that began in 2010. And, you know, really the, the beauty of what they do is really around this whole idea of advertising analytics and automation for B2B companies, uh, revenue marketing, multiple touch points and stuff. And we have one of the partners, uh, Joel Burke. And we're, we're happy to have you on, on, on the podcast today. And welcome. No, thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm really excited to be here. Fantastic. So a, a little personal uh, intro. So you are the partner and practice lead at Outshine, um, which is uh, an ad- advertising analytics consultancy for B2B SaaS companies. Um, you're the kind of guy who believes in solving real work B2B marketing and sales problems, not this pie in the sky, but really what are the actual things that are happening and the day-to-day life of a B2B marketer. And, and you found success by helping just, you know, dozens, even hundreds of businesses, you know, out there to align sales and marketing, which Samir and I talk about constantly. And really your focus around that is on KPIs, improving ROI, you know, generating more revenue and so on. So we are super excited to have you on board and just geek out today. No, that sounds awesome. And yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we're a consultancy and we make our living by creating value for our companies. And the way that we do that is solving some of the most complex problems they have using their sales and marketing data. Well, let's start with this. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the company. This is your time to pitch, um, pitch your company. Let, let's, let's give us the pitch. Yeah, sure. So we, we got started uh, just managing uh, paid media kind of behind the scenes, almost like a traditional like media buying agency. And then... As some of the tools for self-serve buying like AdWords got a little bit more sophisticated and developed, we started doing more lead generation and more performance-driven paid media. And every single year, we kind of reflect on some of the stuff that we've done, the projects we've enjoyed working on. And a lot of the common themes were we, we were drawn to challenges that we were finding that our clients had and who had the biggest pains and who had the most like opportunity where we could add value. And the thing that we, we kind of noticed amongst all of our favorite clients is they were all using some type of complicated CRM and they all had really large deal sizes that typically happened offline. And I mean, paid media, there's all kinds of different ways to do, um, you know, reporting and like attribution, 
But like with something with e-commerce or some type of like web application where there's credit card transactions happening online, that all kind of ties into like a single ecosystem. But as soon as you have this break between that lead being generated online, let's say the break for like, let's say web cookies and something that's happening, a sale that's happening offline, it creates this like disconnection between the data sources. And the challenge that we were drawn to was, well, how can we start putting together some of the pieces to get a better understanding of our customers so that we can drive more, you know, leads that are turning to, into actual revenue. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And, and I think before uh, Samir gets to any questions, uh, I think my thing is, can we give our listeners an idea of how did you get to this journey? You know, where did you, where did you come from originally? And I, I think I saw Blackberry. Uh, I on your- actually did one of my, yeah, I did one of my early uh, work terms while I was a student. That was kind of my first foray into technology, into the tech okay. scene. So I was actually studying finance and economics, and I did my first work term at, at one of the banks in, in Canada, and it just wasn't as exciting and didn't live up to maybe the hype that I had built up in my own mind. So the finance guy goes to marketing and analytics. I love it. Yeah, and I, I, I had the opportunity to go do a work term in tech. And at the time, BlackBerry was the largest tech company in Canada. So they had, you know, I enjoyed all of the the perks at, you know, any one of the modern big tech companies. They had paid for my like relocation expenses for a co-op term. You know, you had your your free food, all of these like wonderful things. And that was it for me. I was like, this is what kind of what I wanted to do. And then once I decided that I wanted to work in tech, I kind of had to pick some type of like specialty. Was I going to learn software development? Was I going to be like a product person? And the thing that started, I, I get the most interested in was like analytics. And then again, I started looking at like, what are the pains that some of the people were having? And I actually got a job at an IT consulting firm um, for starting off doing some like contract work for them. Uh, doing like marketing and digital analytics for a national uh, like shopping mall chain. They wanted to understand how their web traffic was performing, how their social traffic was performing and email marketing. So I was doing database analytics uh, kind of at at that scale, more on the enterprise side. So it's not the, the, the sexiest or most like exciting, you know, kind of way to get into it. But you're solving like real world problems. You're getting to work. We were working at the time in like IBM Cognos. And I got to kind of see that was a great starting point because over the last 10 years, I got to kind of see how all of these, you know, big data database systems evolved over time. And it's been amazing to watch how they become more accessible. I think what it used to take a team of people 10 years ago can be done by an individual. So, you know, everyone's talking about the democratization of data, putting yep. the data into the hands of the people who are using it. And I've been one of the people fortunate enough to have seen the evolution of that over my entire career. Nice. So that's fantastic. So let's nice. let's talk into the meat of it. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, so you talk a lot about revenue marketing and revenue stock marketing. Uh, I would like you to expand on that. Like, what do you mean by revenue marketing and what exactly does the revenue stack looks like? Yeah, so I think the the, the way that I like to think about it at the most basic level is is there some way that you can tie the marketing that you're doing to revenue? And the most the easiest way to do that, I think, is let's say you have a company that has maybe a very short sales cycle and you're generating some type of lead and that person buys a, a product or service. 
it's very easy to make that attribution from the, that, that ad or that marketing effort, you know, directly to the sale. And that's kind of forms the basis of everything that I, I, I do and everything that I think about, you know, this revenue marketing. Where I think things get more interesting is when you have a much more complex buyer journey. Um, I really love the enterprise space where they have large deals and where there's multiple people making a purchase decision. So I, I don't know if you are big fans of the customer sale or the, sorry, the challenger customer, or the challenger sale, but these are fantastic books that talk about this problem in a really meaningful way. When you get into deal sizes over six figures, there's usually an average of 5.4 buyers that are associated with a deal yep. and they all have their own pains and problems. So if you're doing a wide variety of offers, you might be hitting different contact walls with those offers. So maybe there's an ebook for a technical marketer, or maybe there's uh, some type of, you know, INA offer around the finance and purchase decision that's going to be going up to someone more senior, maybe, you know, a director or a VP, let's say. And I love trying to understand the challenges associated with, well, what offer should you serve to the different, you know, buyer types or contact roles like within an organization to help influence that purchase? And then also on these bigger, you know, deals, the sales cycles can be really long. So how can, you know, the marketing efforts really help on that sales enablement side? So let's say the, the lead comes in and that lead gets converted into an opportunity and they're starting to add different people to that opportunity. How do you measure influence? And how can you measure like the contribution of the marketing efforts for something that's taking a year to sell? Yeah. And so with, with you guys, I mean, do you work with companies to build out, uh, I guess, in my mind, there's a step-by-step -step process of initially starting with, you know, intricate details around buyer personas to really understand um, pain points, interests, you know, buying habits, um, influence, and so on. And then after that, really building out these kind of journeys uh, buyer journeys around those buyer personas to really map it out how your stack and, and, and your your average journey kind of fits into that buyer's journey alongside the main journey. And then from there, building out a content map to support that journey. Yeah. So I think it, uh, for, for me, I, I really like to go talk to members of the product marketing team so yep. that I can understand this. How do the solutions that you're selling or offering map back to some of the content pieces that maybe the content team has worked. And you almost want to make some type of like grid and start putting some of this data in, in a spreadsheet or maybe up on a whiteboard so you can start to visualize this mapping. And once you, I, I, I feel like a lot of companies, product marketing and content marketing don't necessarily, we always talk about the sales and marketing alignment, but yeah. there's often ways product marketing and content marketing can work better together. And, and that alignment can be a really powerful tool when you're talking about these larger, larger deals because the marketing can be so complicated and so intricate. And if they can understand how some of the content pieces are mapping back to different solutions or different contact roles, they can see how those content pieces are fitting into the bigger picture and the bigger like buyer life cycle. Yeah, well, I think, I think in Samir and I's background, we, we actually play the role of content marketing and both play the role of product marketing, you know, places like IBM and, and so on. Um, and, and so, you know, Samir, I think we actually, it was kind of one and the same. We were the content writers, you know, product marketing was the one who's actually producing all this stuff because you're really getting it from the mouth of, of the product team. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. No, I think uh, I fully get what uh, Joel is heading with. Uh, I think it's it's equally important to be able to become technical and understand the technicalities of the revenue stacks and how the different uh, how the different elements of the revenue stack fit together. But at the same time, you know, being able to tell the story with the revenue stack is also very important. So, uh, I, I think uh, Joel, you articulated that well. Yeah, yeah. and I. Sorry, I was going to say that I actually agree that product marketing should be producing more content, especially for paid offers. If you're selling software and you have technical buyers, it's really difficult for like a content marketing team to develop the deep level of expertise to generate a piece of content that's going to create an impact or create value for that mm -hmm. end user. Mm -hmm. And you need somebody that has the, the technical depth to create something that's going to provide value for that end, end buyer. Okay, so let, let me get let me dig a little bit deeper. So we start talking about this whole idea about personalization. We talk about you know attribution modeling and stuff like that. Let's dig into that. Let's let's and 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 as our listeners know, this is not a podcast where we just scratch the high level. Let's let's go hardcore. Um, how are you? How are you building out or, or working with companies to build out marketing stacks that really pass data through that? through that journey and to enable personalization, to be able to get that right message at the right time. Because, you know, one of the biggest issues and the biggest jokes I usually have when I do public speaking is you can walk through an office and you can peek in an office and you can tell which one, which uh, office is the marketers or the digital marketers office or the analytics guy, because they usually have multiple screens at their desk because the typical thing that they do is they have to pull up like three or four different tools on multiple screens and then stare at all of them for a while and see which ones kind of match to each other because none of the data talks to each other. And it's like the biggest pain in the ass that every marketing person has. But how are you guys solving this? No, what that, is your recommendation around that? It's a great question. And I'll, I'll, I'll start with some actual tools that you can use to get started really easily. So I, I really like these IP um, enrichment companies that work with web analytics. So the, the very first part of the buyer journey, your user is really unknown. You have no email address. You don't know where the, you know, you have no email address, no contact information. But what companies like Clearbit and Demandbase are allowing you to do is you can start understanding, well, one, if they can be revealed and you can start pushing that data into web analytics. So you have this anonymous person, but you start to know things about them. You can know what company they're in, what industry they're at, potentially the company size, and some of them have uh, technographic enrichment. So you might know what maybe marketing automation platform or CRM they're using. And all of this information can start to use, start to build out the persona. So at that level, you may, maybe you just are doing, you just have knowledge about the industry you're in, but that's enough to start thinking about how you could do maybe some personalization. So if somebody's in the automotive industry versus, you know, healthcare, there are, maybe you would show a related uh, case study for that particular industry, something really, really simple. And then the next phase is actually when you start to collect first party data. So this would be, in my opinion, past the very first form submission or the very first chat. I really like these new conversational platforms like Drift. I think they're um, helping companies you know, have conversations with more people. And I think that's a really, really positive thing. But once you have, are to start building this first party database and you start having emails, you can actually do even further enrichment. 
Um, again, I, I really like the Clearbit API. I think it's one of the best to work with. But you could actually take an email, pass it to Clearbit via the API, and it'll return 130 different data points. It'll, it'll give you um, nice. maybe social media handles, LinkedIn profile, et cetera. And then you can start, again, you're, you're, because this is first-party data, you can start building out a more complete persona because you might have con, you know, you might have the job title. You might have the seniority level. And once you start having those, you can build out a more, you can map that back to a, a more specific persona within your organization that you've already kind of developed. And then you'll know where that fits, where that particular persona fits in and what type of things you want to use, um, maybe on your personalization for like marketing. So actually one of the, the solutions that have kind of come out very, very recently that has a lot of these features, we'll call it like out of the box is segment.com, um, announced to promote personas in the last six weeks, I would say. So if you're looking for an office self solution where you can start one collecting some of this data and doing personalization off personas, segment almost has this entire system like built out. Um, yes, it's going to need implementation. Yes, you're going to need, you know, technical support internally or from their customer success teams, but it's something that is, you know, it's a tangible product that you can buy that has most of the pieces you need to start doing something like this. And then the, the next piece of information, which I, I think is also really interesting is once uh, a lead or a contact becomes an opportunity. They've talked to sales. So until that point, you're relying on um, basically third-party data that you've collected and you're starting to build your first-party database, but no human has actually talked to this person to understand maybe what the pains or solution that might map back to that particular person yet. So then once you have a salesperson that's starting to add, having conversations with them, Maybe they're adding in what solution is the best fit for this particular person. That data then can feed back to your database, and you have now have a solution match. So if you're doing, so, sorry, I say, so it's a fine mix. It's a fine mix of uh, automation and actual humans. You know, because I, I think there's a lot of people out there who think that you can you can automate the entire thing to where it just kind of runs itself, and you can have a lean team. But at the end of the day, you actually have to have real people talk to real people. I well, I think business for the most part, businesses today are still done by yeah by people, and it's, this is especially true in the enterprise sales side of the of, of like let's say B two B SaaS, which is our focus, because the the deal sizes are so high. There's nothing you could there's no nothing you could buy with a credit card. You have to talk to a person. But we on the on the lower end of the spectrum, I totally agree. Like people are trying to automate more and more of the process. Because they're just taking, at the end of the day, they're just taking your credit card transaction as as the sale. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you, I really like you mentioned Segment. We use Segment as well in our organization. I love it. It's just a, it's a very powerful uh, uh, tool to be able to transfer data from one location to the other. And the fact that now they're doing some persona-based uh, data collection and management, that's fantastic. So let's get on to a very specific example. So I know you talked to... Uh, very nicely about uh, how the structure should look like for someone to facilitate something like personalization and the different elements of technology and the people and roles. Uh, uh, so it's a two-part question. Like One is, uh, what are some of the common challenges that you come across faced by the people that you work with, your customers? And can you walk to a couple of different examples of uh, the challenges that were faced by an organization? How do you guys help them and what was the end result? Sure. So the, I would say the biggest pain as measured by clients asking for it 
is some type of multi-touch attribution. So a lot of sophisticated companies, you know, doing some dimension function, they're measuring a lead source and maybe a lead source detail into the CRM. So to break that down, they're understanding maybe that it's coming from paid search or paid social, maybe it's an organic channel, and then they know the corresponding offer that generated this net new person inside of their marketing automation or CRM platform. But what we're seeing now, specifically at the enterprise, is there's multiple contacts that are getting associated with an opportunity. So one, just attributing lead source is becoming more difficult, but then they're interacting with so much content and the sales cycles are so long that how do you evaluate across you know this multi-touch and look at like even looking at companies like Salesforce like Salesforce does an incredible job of event marketing and I think event marketing is an incredible marketing channel so if you're doing a lot of online channels with like ebooks and nurture with email and maybe you have an event and someone's coming into an event how do you measure the you know the impact of all of these different channels and functions Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit naive to think that you're going to give a hundred percent of the credit to one, just to marketing because you have sales, but then two, what if it's a long sales cycle and you have marketing is interacting them with like multiple eBooks and offers and they're going to, you know, events and like meetups Yep. and we are getting more sophisticated now. So there's a event apps that are enrolling people into Salesforce campaigns. So, we're actually be able to see now online and, you know, offline touch points, you know, all within the same, you know, CRM, same data type. We'll, go, we'll call them Salesforce campaigns for, for lack of like a better, better term at the moment. But the Salesforce attribution campaign, I think in 2018 is going to be, I think, table stakes for multi-touch attribution. It is by no means a complete solution, but I think it allows you to do some of the basics. So that is to say at this event influenced this amount of my pipeline, which is to say this number of people, you know, participated in this particular campaign, whether it was online or whether it was offline. And I think that's going to be really important. We're seeing clients that have been around for, let's say 10 years, where if you're looking at just lead net new lead source, some of these people have been in the system for a couple of years now. So they're, they're coming back and they're, let's say they're downloading a, an ebook, but the lead source has already been stamped. And without some way to measure attribution, marketing gets no credit, even if they were to buy that product within a week of that download. There's just no visibility and to see what that last touch point was, unless you have some way to see, you know, some type of influence. So I think in 2018, influence is going to be, you know, table stakes for some of the, the sophisticated B2B companies. Then going from influence, what we're really looking to do, and this is a huge pain for our clients, is how do you transition from, you know, this first touch, last touch lead source to influence to multi-touch attribution? And I, I know that you had Dave from Visible on your on your podcast earlier. And I think Visible is actually a great solution uh, for the those in the Salesforce ecosystem, you know, starting to think about multi-touch attribution um, and they actually do it in a really interesting way because it can do online and offline as long as you're enrolled in the Salesforce you know, campaigns because it is an app exchange app. Yep. So their solution is really good. I think Full Circle is another one that's kind of you know in an interesting space. Again, it relies on the use of Salesforce campaigns. So I think there's a uh, – but that's 
kind of ties yourself to the Salesforce ecosystem. So one of the products that I'm extremely excited about that's going to open up some of this to a wider audience is, is Google attribution. So it's been being talked about for the last you know year plus. They plan to open Google attribution up to the wider market at some point in 2018. Mm-hmm. No timelines announced. But this will be the kind of the first really sophisticated foray into multi-touch for we'll call it the vastness, you know, democratization of you know people's data, where they can start to understand a little bit more of what's going on. I mean, Google Analytics does have a, a few multi-touch tools, but it doesn't integrate with like third-party sources or offline sources. So you're really just relying on those web visits. And if you're doing any type of offline conversion tracking, it's just not going to provide you the, the detail that you need. And there are going to be ways in which Google attribution is going to be able to integrate with some offline sources. Yeah, and I was going to say, Yeah, that's fantastic. I really like you brought up Google because uh, it's been in lately a big buzz about the Google's uh, partnership with Salesforce. Uh, So exactly like you're saying is I think that partnership will help them to make their uh, ideation to realization where they're not going to not just have what you're saying, like connecting the offline digital journey, uh, offline journey to digital, but also being able to tie into the vast uh, Salesforce uh, customer set in, in that data so that I, I like that. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be really exciting. And I, I, not to veer, you know, too much onto a tangent, but at the, the part of it that is, is really exciting is what does this mean for advertisers? There is, I, I like to call it an arms race now, an arms race between Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. Nice. And they're all looking at how they can track offline conversions and, and, and drive more value. So the problem for them, how they frame it is one, Facebook has a limited amount of inventory. They're selling all of the inventory. So how can I get more value out of this inventory? Well, you can sell a, a, a million dollar B2B SaaS product and charge a hundred dollars a click. If you can prove some type of attribution or influence to that particular ad. So, and, and outside of the Google attribution piece, they're working Salesforce is also working really heavily um, with like Facebook. Um, Facebook's going to be more deeply integrated with the Salesforce uh, ad studio. Um, they have plans to make ad studio, to break ad studio outside of um, marketing cloud. So to be a little bit more widely accessible to people that are maybe running Pardot and ad studio and they don't necessarily need marketing cloud. But the whole idea is how can we track offline conversions in, in back into Facebook and how can we track the attribution back into Facebook? So it's another area to watch. And I think I'm really excited about that as well. So, so one of the questions I have is really around this idea that, you know, I'm sure that most marketers you work with aren't at that, you know, stage where you're there at that advanced level. And I think I've some years going to be like, okay, he's going to bring it up again. Every podcaster bring up the whole 60, 30, 10 thing to where, um, I, I believe that 60% of marketers out there are really at that beginning level of understanding that they are just scraping the surface of what is, you know, what, what needs to be done in order to stay afloat, to be at par. You know, they know that they could do better. They know they can be more sophisticated and more advanced, but they're just there. Then there's that 30% who are trying, you know, they're, they're really trying to get out there and try new things and understand what multi-touch attribution is. 
and really go out and use the tools. And there's that 10% that really get it. You know, there, there's the advanced level people that you see roaming the MarTech world, you know, floors and stuff like that and talking to people and, and interacting with guys like Scott Brinker and so on. Right. But, you know, the marketers that you see today that are in that 60% that are struggling to get to that next level, what kind of advice do you give them? Like, what are the mistakes that you see that they have? And where could you say, you know what, I, I know it's really scary to delve into this and you're basically living on a first click, last click attribution and you have some strange lifetime value model and you're using, you know, pretty basic ROI calculation and this is how you're running your multi-million dollar marketing campaign. They're scared to death that they're going to be stuck in the dark ages. How do they get started? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. And I, I, I love the 60, 30, 10, you know, model that you've kind of brought up multiple times throughout the show. I, I think they should fear less or not be as scared to one, ask for access to CRM and maybe spend a little bit more time understanding what the sales function within the organization. I think maybe there's an opportunity for them to maybe sit in on some BDR calls or maybe join a, a weekly or monthly like sales meeting, learning about some of the pains that they're experiencing and then start to understand the, the maybe some of the data models inside of a CRM. Because I think there is this, uh, the way that I see kind of the industry going specifically in, you know, the B2B space is mar more and more marketing is going to be held accountable to some type of maybe it's an MQL quota, maybe it's a, an SQL or opportunity quota, or even to a revenue number. And as more and more B2B companies are, are going that route, marketers need to be more comfortable, one, working with sales, but two, like understanding their problems, their pains, and their data. Because if they don't understand their data, they're not going to understand what activities, actions that they are currently yeah. doing or they could be doing that would be able to like influence, help, assist, you know, the sales side of the organization. Well, and if you don't mind, before you go into the next part, let, let's, let's go into that question. You say, understand the data. This is a big deal because I typically, and, and this is for me, it's one of those things to where, you know, when somebody says, Oh, we've always done it this way. It, it's, it's, it's like this trigger that goes off in my head that says, I'm sorry, but you need to do something completely different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Typically, what I think when people say, yeah, we look at our data, they look at the same three to five KPIs that the average marketing tools that they use give them. And they've never looked beyond those average three to five that come in the common dashboard that they get. That's, you know, what is your recommendation to them? You know, yeah. what do you mean by looking at data? Because that's that's a big question. That 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 is. And I was very broad when I had said look at the data. But the way that I, I think of it is. Is there an opportunity for them, for you, you know, people to ex explore it? So maybe there, you're able to extract the data, even if it's just in a CSV or maybe you're opening it in an Excel or a Google Sheet to like start looking at even just leads. And maybe there's a couple of fields that you're able to select in the, like in a CRM report builder that might show maybe like a lead source, a lead source detail and like, okay, what does this give me? And then, I, I, I love the phrase, but you're right. It is harder in, in practice of this concept of exploratory. Like, how do you do exploratory data? If they're in an organization that's fortunate enough to have some type of sales and marketing data warehouse and a BI tool, then maybe there's an opportunity to go a little bit deeper than that 
or they're looking at maybe these campaign reports that I, I was talking about earlier, or these yep. influence reports talking about earlier. Um, I, I think the biggest shift that we're seeing is because so few people within the organization have done this before, there, there might not be a senior marketer on the team that's going to lay it out for them. This is how things are going to work from here on out. And these marketers are going to have to come up with a way to figure out um, a path forward um, to use some of these data, the tools that they have available um, to answer some of these questions. And maybe even to go up a level, maybe it just starts with asking more questions and then then trying to find the answers inside of the, the CRM data, like how many MQLs did marketing generate this month? Or did we have any sales that have been influenced by marketing? And if, if you start with something very high level, then you'll start trying to figure out, well, how can, like, what, what is a field are available inside of the CRM that would help answer that question? And, and maybe there's nothing there that's set up that would tell you that what deals were influenced by marketing. Yeah. But then at least that shows you that, oh, then there's, that shows you an opportunity to maybe add something. Is there an opportunity to add Salesforce campaigns in 2018? So that way I can see that marketing influenced a particular deal. Right. Maybe it's as simple as that, because you said everybody, every company's at a different stage of, of let's call it like marketing maturity, mm-hmm. um, specifically in like the B2B space. And I, I, I think if you can, as an organization, become you know, somewhat self-aware of where you fit in to this marketing maturity model, you'll have a, a better understanding of what the path forward will look like if you're not doing lead source assignment um, between paid and organic. That's a really, really simple way to get started because then you can say what's paid contribution versus organic yeah. contribution from the web. So Salesforce's default lead source field for all of the internet is web direct. And yeah. if you're a digital marketer, that doesn't tell much of anything. Yeah. That's great. No, I, I, agree. Uh, so awesome. I, agree. So I think this is fantastic. I really, uh, uh, think that the, we had a pretty intense content here for our listeners. When you start talking about, in general, uh, a kind of a theory of what it looks like for modern revenue stack marketing that we got details of. Uh, how does it look like in the real world? What are the different mechanics of attributions, campaigns, Salesforce, and where does all the technology fit in? I really like the, uh, Joel, you mentioned a couple of different interesting tools like Segment being one of them and uh, Visible is the other one. And you know your company definitely outshine if anyone wants to go check that out. Uh, any last minute advice for our listeners? Anything that you think that will be useful? I think in this in the spirit of the previous conversation, I think don't be scared to play with the data and kind of explore and see what you could learn. Because I think there's a, a huge opportunity for people out there that aren't scared to, you know, to make a mistake and try to push their company like forward in, in a meaningful way. And I, I think a lot of people are scared uh, of the change and things are changing so rapidly. I mean, people joke about how many MarTech, sales tech platforms there's been started in the past five years. Yeah. So there's there's certainly a huge ecosystem out there and it's changing very rapidly. And I think the only way that to stay ahead of the curve is to not be scared to make some mistakes and, and go in there and kind of start exploring. Nice. No, that, that, that's good advice. I mean, you, you just got to get over the fear. And, and, and one last thing, are there any, any good blogs or any people to reach out to or any kind of, uh, you know, mentors that you have that you look up to? Where can people get started? Because I think a lot of people are, are going to be listening like, 
well, shit, this guy has great advice, but what do I do to get started? Because I can only understand so much. Are there are there videos I can watch? Are there besides the, the best podcast in the world, which is Analytics Today? Are there other places I can go listen to to learn about this stuff? Uh, yeah, so there's there's a, a couple of good resources I think to get started on the attribution side. So the Visible's content marketing is fantastic. They have a great blog. There's a lot of content in the Salesforce ecosystem uh, and, and Salesforce community around those like the Salesforce campaign stuff that we talked about. If you're really interested in some of the more data driven stuff, the persona, maybe the growth marketing side, and and how to do you know, some of the attribution, mm-hmm. uh, Guillaume Cobain, um, he's at drift. He has a couple of really good videos. He's got a Twitter feed. I, I kind of call him a mad genius, nice. but he's, I think he's the one, he's a practitioner at heart that's building a lot of these, infra- these this infrastructure and these systems that like other people can kind of learn from if, if they wanted to do so. So those are some of the places I would start for sure. Sounds good. Well, cool. Samir, you got anything else or I think we're good? I mean, this has been fantastic. We're good. This is a lot of information. I will put uh, most of the information provided here as a reference link in the show notes. Fantastic. And and, and as always, um, you know, feel free to email us and, and put in a request to say you'd like to, you know, either be interviewed on our podcast or if you have any suggestions of who to reach out to. I think, you know, one of the bigger names that we had was, uh, you know, our buddy Matt Hines and you know, we're, we're privileged to have him. And then, you know, now with Joel, I mean, this is, this is one of those deep level advanced, uh, podcasts that we just love. And, and I have a feeling that if you and Samir and I were all sitting in the same room, you know, geeking out over this stuff, we'd probably be there all day and it would be, it would be fun. It, oh, it would, absolutely. It would be fun. We'd probably have to have like four whiteboards of up, you know, full walls to be able to talk about this stuff. But I mean, it would be fantastic. So, you know, hopefully we could do that one day. Maybe we'll meet up at a conference or something and do this. So that very sounds cool. wonderful. And Samir, Jeremy, thank you so much for the invitation. This was sure. an awesome podcast and experience. I, I really appreciate it. It was an honor to be on the show. Absolutely. Fantastic. And, and as you guys, yeah. And, and just as always, uh, check us out at www.analyticstodaypodcast.com. Um, keep on listening, keep on sending your questions and your feedback and everything. And Joel, thank you. Have a happy holiday. Um, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year, you know, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. So go for it. Right. <laughs> cool. And thank you, Samir, as always. And uh, we'll see you guys on the air. Thanks. See ya.